tonight as we bring the message, count the cost and carry on. You know, I, <clears throat> a little illustration for you, it's not the military, it's not the reporter who has given us the freedom of the press, it's the military, not the poet who has given us the freedom of speech. It's the military, not the politicians that ensures our right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It's the military who salutes the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag. If you care to offer the smallest token of recognition and appreciation for the military, and the idea is thank those who serve. I understand there's a lot of things wrong in our nation, but it could be a whole lot worse. We could be in North Korea. We could be in China. You know what, uh, there's a lot to, to complain, there's a lot to think about, but Remembrance Day is a day very dear to myself, one with strong uh, emotions that I hold for this day. Uh, praise and thanks to the brave men and women in our armed forces. As I was mentioning this morning, a young man with whom I knew who lived up here in the north, and, and he's serving in Edmonton, and, and uh, serving faithfully, and uh, serving alongside the service, you know, serving there, and, and training for the, to deploy as he'll deploy early next year, and I let him know I'll be praying for him. I'm thankful for those who have given our, their lives. Just a message, kind of, I know I spoke about heroes this morning, and I was even, not long ago, some, some time ago, I was thinking about life in Venezuela, of individuals that are starving for food because of a country that is unbelievably wealthy, but a country that deprives its citizens of the very basic needs. A country leading with an iron fist. There's an exodus from a country that is not, really that hasn't been seen before there in South America as they all are migrating north. I've watched documentaries of China. They'll kidnap those whose views are contrary to the government, force them into government-sanctioned re-education camps, and some they would even put into organ harvesting. The freedom to assemble, to fish, to hunt, to enjoy family is a privilege. And I understand that we can grow to a place where we believe it's an entitlement, but it's still a gift of God. Today, as we think really about the heroes of the past, I want to remind us once again, as I spoke about even this morning, in Acts chapter 20, Verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now our God has never failed you or me. He has had a legion of men and women, boys and girls through the centuries that have counted the cost and served the Lord Jesus Christ. They have not retreated to false religion, but they have stood as stalwarts of the faith. It could be a young man, a young woman, an older man, an older woman. They said, I am going to stand for Jesus no matter what. I don't care if the state church, I don't care if the Catholic or Anglicans come against me. I'm going to stand for Jesus and the Word of God. I'm not moving. And I want to challenge you again tonight a stirring to action. We must not 
we must remove blinders and say, you know what, politics can change. Governments can change. Jesus doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. Our commission doesn't change. We can get confused on all that's going on in society. But what we must do is what we're going to see tonight is we continue to look at eternity. You know what, the here and now, we're just passing through. This is only a temporary life of 20, 30, 40, 60, 70, 80, 100 years is all we may live. But eternity is forever. And Think about this. Keep your eye on eternity because if we get our eye on now, you're going to get very confused, discouraged. In Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith chapter as it's oftentimes known, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Abraham never saw Israel get the promised land. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Talking about Abraham as he would leave Ur of the Chaldees, leave his home where God called him, and he, and he went to the, he, there he would go over to, towards the promised land. He didn't know what it was like. He didn't know all the trials and tribulations and everything else. You know what, when I left where I was at for God to call me here in the north, I, I didn't know everything that's going to happen. I didn't know a thing about up here i've learned a lot sometimes a very hard way and 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 just you know learning uh, about life and interactions and relationships and people it's been a marvelous wonderful experience with but there's been trials and god's had to break me of certain things that i had in my life i thought it's got to be this way and god says no it doesn't have to be this way and and he's saying here you see, if, if Abraham would have understood all the hardships he would have gone through he's like i'm staying back home i'm not going that way it's too hard now, how many of us, if you take the walk of faith in the Christian life, you say, if I knew of every, all the hardships ahead of me, there's no way I'm going to do the Christian life. How many of you would probably, I'd, I'd raise my hand. I said, you know what, I'd probably do the exact same thing. If I knew all the hardships that were ahead of me, man, I'm thinking, get me out of here. I want to go to eternity now. I don't want to deal with any of the hardships. You know what, and Moses, and Abraham, not, I don't know why I keep on saying Moses, but Abraham, he might have had opportunity to return, but he didn't. He took every step, one step at a time, by faith. And Christian, you don't know what lies ahead. You don't know the... But you know what? There might be hardships ahead. But man, there's some rich rewards that lay ahead. There's some good days. I get to see... You know, and, and, and I would have never... When I left, I, there, I came from New Mexico, and then I went to Winkler, and then Winkler, we moved up to here, and... You know what, if I would have known some of the challenges I would have had to have gone through, I probably wouldn't have done it. But at the same time, as I would have looked at the challenges, I would have missed on some of the rich blessings of lives I could have been able. And each and every one of you that I've got to know, I would have missed. I would have missed seeing people, lives transformed by Christ. And opportunities to be there at just the moment. There was a gentleman, even this this afternoon as we were ministering to him he had lost his loved one not long ago and he had talked about taking his own life that gentleman that was uh, that i know in the military he was i met him at a very hard time in his life struggling with drugs and alcohol and on the precipice of letting his life go but god saved him god spared him man i couldn't have seen god work 
Even this week as God would put down, shut down the 24-7 liquor uh, license that was going to come into this community, God shut it down. I couldn't have seen the blessings of God. In verse 16, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. My, my friend, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the challenges. And you might be saying, this Christian life is just too hard. I'm giving up. We can't look at the challenges. You can't just look at the hurts. You can't just look at, it's really, really, really hard. I don't know what to do. passing through keep your eyes on eternity keep your eyes on someday i gotta stand before jesus and tell him how i've lived my life no you can't lose your salvation but look with me a little bit further as we look at the scriptures this evening in verse 32 what more, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. What if Daniel had stopped praying? He would have never seen God stop the lions' mouths. Did he have to go through a hard time at risk of his own lives? Absolutely. Did those three Hebrew, Hebrew young men, as they would be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, did they have to face a hard time? Absolutely. But they would have never seen God's hand protect. Sure, you've got to go into some hard times. But I know who holds the future. I know who's in control. You see, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the future is fearful. It's scary. Because you have no one to walk with you through it. Sure, you might have someone on earth to walk with you, but you don't have the God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords on your side. Verse 33, who faith, through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lion, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. But God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect, we would not have the Bible today. We would not have the faith we have today. Had it not been individuals through the centuries who would say no to the state church. No, we're not going to baptize our kids in the state church. No, you're not going to take control. No, you're not going to be the ones to tell us who can and cannot preach. God calls us, and, 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 and just we're going to be biblical. We're going to do it God's way. The government doesn't have a right to tell us how to worship God. And some would give their lives. But you and I can have the comfort of peace of knowing Jesus Christ today because others said, Jesus is worth it. Millions of believers, some 50 million plus believers through the centuries, were given their lives so that we could have the gospel today. Man, my friend, 
And we must determine in our mind whose side I'm going to be. I'm going to look at eternity. God doesn't want us lukewarm. Well, maybe I'll serve Jesus a little. And if it gets tough, I'm running. I'm out of here. This isn't for me. You know what? Life's going to be... We live in a world where people are selfish and mean and rude. They'll stab you in the back. We live in that world. We know. We look in our society and I hear story after story after story after story of lives that have been ruined, hurt by people that are just vile and wicked. And sometimes they even call themselves religious, Christian, and they're wicked. And they do it in the name of Christ, but they're not of Christ. They can say they are, but they're not. May we serve God with renewed vigor tonight. There's several things I want to look at. May we count the costs and press on. Keep your eyes on eternity. Look with me at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. These are my absolute favorite verses of the entire Bible. I went through some of the hardest times of my life. And these two verses, man, I would just recite and recite and recite and recite. These are my two favorite verses in the Bible. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, it is our spiritual ancestors. Man, I can look at them and say, you know what, John Wycliffe and William Tyndale and others, they stood the test. They said, I want people to have a Bible in their language. Tyndale would be burned at the stake. There's others that would lose their jobs. There's others that people said, oh, you can't preach in this town unless we as the state church give you authority. Well, we're not going to do it. We're still going to preach. And the government would come and steal homes and steal all sorts of things. Man, religion does not like biblical Christianity. All throughout the centuries. Wherefore, we all, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, there's been a lot of people through the centuries that have just stayed by the stuff. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily beset us. What are some, what's something in your life that's maybe keep pulling you down, pulling you down, and pulling you down? And let us run with patience. You know what? There is no quick cure. There's no quick healing in the Christian life. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We run. I remember when I lived in North Carolina for a time, there was my next door neighbor. Her brother ran centuries. He would run 100 miles. That's crazy but he would run 100 miles. He ran, they're called centuries, and he would run for 24 hours. I'm thinking, that's nuts. That's a long race. How do you finish 100 miles one step at a time? How do you finish the, Christ, how do you finish the, the race of life one day at a time? Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into the service and the sermon this evening, Father, I just ask that you'd be glorified. Lord God, get our eyes. Get our eyes on eternity. Keep our focus right. Lord, I need you. Every one of us needs you. Lord, I don't know where each person is tonight, what they may be struggling with. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage their hearts. I pray you'd embolden them. 
or to do right. Because God, we're not just living our lives for now, we're living our lives for the next generation. The next generation that needs to hear the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My Father, I yield tonight to Thee. I love You. Thank You for Your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You find in verse 13 a blessed promise. These died in faith not having received the promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all believed the promises, yet they would never see the promised land. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, by faith he, Abraham, sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham kept his eyes on heaven. He said, I'm looking forward to heaven. I trust tonight you're looking forward to heaven. Now, I don't want to, it's not that I'm wanting to die. I don't want to die anytime soon. But if God wants to call me home, hallelujah. But Abraham kept his eyes on eternity. He said, there's a mansion. There's a foundation. There's a place I'm going to. You know, when you accept Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we're a new creature. And you start to think about some of the things you used to think about. And you don't think the same way. You begin to, as you relate with other people, and maybe you say some things like you used to say it, and and man, inside you're just like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You change. God totally, radically transforms you. You're, You're just not the same. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, Sarah would deem God faithful to give her a child when she was 90 years old. Had Abraham thought long and hard of leaving Ur of the Chaldees and all the trials and turmoil, he probably would have stayed home. But he desired a heavenly country. And my friend, we have an eternal home. Verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 11. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly Let us look with me at Revelation 21, 1 to 5. I want to encourage, I really hope this message is an encouragement to you tonight. I know our world's an absolute disaster, it's a mess. Brother against brother, sister against brother. I mean, you just name it, there's a lot of turmoil and fighting and hardship and hurt and pain. It's not getting any better. But the eternal home that you and I are going to live in, Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne beset, I, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Verse 16 in this And it gives us the length of the city through chapter 22, verse 5. And it goes on and on and on about this. And and in verse 5 of chapter 22, And there shall be no night there, and, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. 
Verse 3 of chapter 22, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. My friend, we, are get, we get to be with our Father in heaven forever someday when this life is over. What would it be like if in your home there was no more fighting, no more disagreements, no more tears because you've heard of a loss of a loved one? You see, that message of hope that we look forward to, we're not looking at the past. We're not looking at all the bad things I've done. I'm not looking at the past and all the tragedy and trial. I'm looking to the future. You see, I have hope. I don't exist in the past of death and tragedy. But imagine, imagine if someone could never hear that hope of eternity with Jesus Christ. Imagine someone didn't know. Uh, you know, I, I was talking with, we were talking with someone recently, and I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I mean, it's just this complete confusion. Imagine you have no direction in life. The Bible gives direction, the Bible gives purpose. The Bible gives you purpose, that you have a reason here on earth. You have a reason. You have a relationship with the Creator God who made you, that He can have a personal relationship. Jesus is the Creator. He's the one that died on that cross. My friend, there is hope. But imagine people 100 years ago never delivered that message. Imagine it never reached here in northern Manitoba. Imagine it never reached to where you lived if you, moved, if, you've, uh, if you moved to Thompson from another place. Imagine you never heard that 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Imagine that people just sat on that message and they never said anything. My friend, count the cost. We have hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Here is the preaching of the cross. It goes forward. It's easy to hang your head low. Oh, I give up. It's just too hard. I can't do life. It's more than I can handle. And I'm not trying to trivialize or dismiss what you're going through. Please, please don't take it that way. You can feel like you're stuck in a trench and I can't get up. But if you lose sight of your focus, you lose sight of your objective. If an army goes into war to defeat the enemy, but the mission changes, but yet they're still in a battle with the enemy, they're going to be destroyed. You've got to keep the mission, the mission. You've got to keep your focus. If you're going to university and you want to get a degree in a particular, say whatever, engineering, but yet you take all of these liberal arts classes and you take grammar and, and you take uh, writing and all, everything else but the engineering classes, you'll never get your degree. Keep your eye on the prize, Christian. It's on eternity. Where would you be? If you had never heard about Jesus. Isaiah 45, 22, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I want you to look with me at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Verse 13. 
count the cost. Christian, I understand you may, have, you may be going through some very difficult things. And you're discouraged. We've got to look at the hope set before us. Don't lose sight of the hope. Don't lose sight of God still in control. You can't sometimes in the darkness of night, you can't see. But you leverage the hand of the one who does see. And you keep walking in the dark. And he'll lead you into light. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. What is the Apostle Paul saying? He says, listen, I'm forgetting those things behind. Those past injuries, those people that have hurt me, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to move on. I'm not going to live in what I've done in the past. I'm not going to live in what a horrible person I was. I'm not going to live in all the, the, the trauma and tragedy of the past. I'm going to move forward, Apostle Paul says, reaching forth into those things which are before. Hey, all of this from the past, all of the tragedy and trauma, that will cease one day. I'm going to reach forward to the hope set before me. The hope. You know, when I'm in heaven, there's no sorrow. There's no remembrance of all that, that happened there, back there. In verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I remember when I used to run cross country. There's times I'm running in the race and Man, I, I start to have a, like just a side ache, and I'm like, oh, you're still trudging along, you know, you're running through the mud and all that other stuff. And, but I wanted to cross that finish line. I wanted to get it. I was never the fastest. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed sports, but I was never the fastest, never the great athlete, but I enjoyed it. But I want that mark, the prize of the high calling in Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. The world may not lay much upon you, but if you're faithful for God, faithful where God's called you, man, there is a prize waiting for you in eternity. Not just salvation, not just heaven, but man, you, when you get to heaven, you can be pleasing to the Father. You see, Jesus would see in Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He says, listen, here's some people. They need a leader. They need a spiritual leader. And Jesus would rise again from the dead. He'd be here 40 days on earth to set things in order with his apostles so that they would get the gospel. They would establish the church of Jerusalem so that these people who are scattered with no shepherd, who are fainting in life and ready to give up, they've got a place to go, a place to belong. Church is a place you, ought, you can belong. Your family. Sure, there might be, as you think about the first part of this, a blessed promise. We do have a balmy past as we look 
At the next point this evening in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 37, you see of mighty men of faith as Gideon. With, he would start off with 22,000 men. God would slim it down and slim it down and slim it down and slim it down until 300 men would come against an army of an innumerable amount of people. It says they were like grasshoppers. I mean, these people are large. And I mean, there's without number, thousands upon thousands of hundreds of thousands of men are out there against three. 300 men. 300. You think, what a bunch of fools. And yet God, God gave a victory. How about Barak and Deborah as they would chase Sisera until Jael would stab him with a stake through his, through his head. And again, give victory. Samson, Jephthah, Samuel the prophet, I mean, there's heroes of the faith as Deacon Stephen, Acts chapter 7. There's James the Great. There's Philip that was crucified. I want to read you a memorials of martyrs. Now I'm not, now, I'm not asking you, we're not, I'm not talking about giving up our life for the faith and being one. I, I'm not saying that. We're not, I'm not talking like Islam where you're giving your uh, jihad and all. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I'm focused on eternity for the hope set before me. That every day that I go to work and that I do my job and I do what I'm supposed to do for the day, I'm keeping my mind on eternity. A certain class of men who have risen up, this comes from J. Newton Brown, a certain class of men who have risen up within the last 40 years and whose direct object seems to be, if possible, to lead Christians back to Rome have spoken lightly of the martyrs of past ages for his recent writer on this subject has well said, if ever men have won for their memories the need of honest praise, it was those self-devoted and lion-hearted martyrs for the truth who counted not their lives dearer to themselves, but stood their ground in the forefront of the battle, valiant for the truth, even till they fell and in falling conquered. We cannot read the accounts of martyrs to which the reader is now introduced without a conviction that wherever religion flourishes in the soul of man, there is a spirit of martyrdom uh, evincing, evidencing itself in its temper and conduct, self-denial, and readiness to bear the cross will always be essential to true Christian character. Such is a spirit, spirit which becomes those who are acknowledged by Jesus Christ as his brethren. It cannot but afford high gratification to every devoted Baptist that the body to which he belongs has in every age furnished, furnished most zealous adherence to the cause of Christ and that multitudes have literally glorified God in the fires. Cardinal Hosius, one of the Pope's presidents at the Council of Trent, says, if the truth of religion were to be judged of the, of, by the readiness and cheerfulness which a man of any sex shows in uh, suffering, and the opinion and persuasion of no sect can be surer than that of the Baptists, since there have been none for these 1,200 years past that have been more grievously punished or that have more cheerfully undergone or have even offered themselves the most cruel sorts of punishment than these people. I could tell you story after story, and I'm not talking about suffering, but we wouldn't have the message today if people wouldn't say truth is worth standing for. If someone was to come into your house and wanted to hurt the people in your house, would you defend it? You would do with all your might to defend the people in your house. They're worth it. They're worth fighting for. I want them to have a longevity. I want them to be protected. I'm going to fight with all my might. 
God has called us as Christians with the ministry of reconciliation to bring people to the cross of Jesus Christ. I heard a person say today, they don't, I'm too bad, I've done too many bad things. No, you haven't. That message still resounds. God, Jesus saves. If those people said the fires were not worth it, we wouldn't have the gospel that we have today. We'll defend our house, but will I not defend this, the truth of the Bible? Is this not worth it? I'm not asking you to lay down your life. I'm just saying, will you follow Jesus? Will you let him protect you? Will you let him be in charge of your eternity? The next generation still needs the message and hope I have today. I could tell you about Miss Cicely Orms. You could read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Cuthbert Smyson. Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 8, the church of Rome, it was good at that time, but first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Why would I defend my home? Well, I want to defend my wife. I want to defend my daughter. I want them to continue to have a legacy of living and, and not have to go through the tragedy of whatever the intruder is trying to do. There are intruders today that come in as flattering, very nice people. But their message is disastrous. And that message, if it comes in, cancer, when it comes in, many times it's undetected until the body starts having pains. And if it's not caught in time, it can lead, it can be fatal. If cancer comes in and to churches that love the Lord Jesus Christ, they stand upon the word of God can be fatal to that church if the message changes. But we have a bright path. Friend, we have people that have given us the message. If people hadn't reached out to my parents, I wouldn't have the gospel today. My parents, years ago, that reached out to them, made an impact in their lives, they would come to faith in Christ and changed my grandparents my grandmother one of my if i would say one of my heroes of the faith was my grandmother grandma wasn't very necessarily intelligent but man my grandma loved jesus she came out of alcohol and abuse and grandpa was a womanizer but had my mom not reached out and said i want you to come to church with us my, my mom was insistent she come to church. Where would I be today? In Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, you see, salvation's for every person. I don't care where you're from, what culture you're from, the message is still the same. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, every Christian is a saint. If you accept Jesus Christ, you're a saint before the Lord. As we think about our forward look, looking unto Jesus, you're not looking to a man. You're not looking to a pope. You're not looking to a priest or cardinal. You're looking to Jesus. 
You see, you don't, I just, I tried it my best with all my heart to deliver the message of, of the Bible. That's my heart. You think about Revelation 21, 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. God's family will all be together someday. But realize, if you want to become an Olympic athlete, you're going to have to go through a lot of hard days of lifting weights and working out. You're going to have adversaries. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. God, there's going to be people in your life, hey, come take this drink. Here, take some drugs. Hey, let's partake of this. You're going to have a lot of temptations. Satan's going to try to use people. Hey, someone's going to remind you what you did in the past, who you were, to tear you back down. Keep your eye on the future. Keep your eye on eternity. In Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You see what God's looking for is some Christians that just keep their eyes on Jesus for the now and in the future. In conclusion, there are many that need Christ. There are many who are still lost. The Bible tells us in Luke 10, 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. There's a lot of people, a lot of professing believers, but very few who get engaged in trying to seek to win people to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The message that Jesus saves. That Jesus is the hope. You see, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, as the Scriptures tell us in Hebrews 10. Christian, don't retreat. When hard times come, don't give up. Don't go backwards. If you mess up, Proverbs 24, 16, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Get up if you mess up. You're like, oh, I just, oh, I hate that I failed today. Get up and do right again. Don't give in. Count the cost. The Bible tells us when we are faithful to Christ, we'll obtain a good reputation. Hebrews 11, 2, for by it the, the elders obtained a good report. Hebrews 12, uh, 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, we may not be big in number, but the fact is, assembling together to worship and honor God, you encourage others when you come. God doesn't want melancholy, haphazard professors of Christ. He is looking for men and women who will be steadfast. They won't move. They will be stalwarts. They'll be leaders in faithfulness. I was so thankful this past week. Uh, three of us men, we went down to the MLA, and I was so thankful for these men taking a stand against this evil, wicked uh, desire in, in, of, of, a, a build, of a business in the community have, trying to have 24-7 liquor. Three of us men went to the MLA, and we all voiced our opposition. Men that said, this town cannot have that. Myself, Raymond, and another fellow, we all went down. It's not worth it. The Bible tells us in Revelation 3.16, So then, because thou art lukewarm. What's a lukewarm Christian? 
You serve God until it gets tough, until the fire starts, until the trials come, until the hard times come. You said, I'm backing up. I'm not doing this anymore. I, I'm not going to be faithful to church. Oh, this whole Christianity thing, I'm giving up. These guys, oh, 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 oh. Do you give up on a hockey team? Do you give up in a, in a team that you're playing in a sport just because someone looked at you wrong, because the enemy tripped you? Do you give up? No, you get up and said, I want to win this game. I want to move forward. You don't give up. Why do we give up so quickly in the Christian life? Count the cost. I want you to look with me at a final. We don't need lukewarm Christians. We need some Christians that said, I'm going to settle it. And I'm going to set my, my foundation right here on Jesus. I'm not going to move. There's going to be hard times. And we can settle it. And there's sometimes you give in. You're like, oh. You know what? Get up and go again. Do you ever make, when you ever mess up, if you've ever played sports, do you ever mess up? Sure we mess up. Sure we kick the ball the wrong way, hit the puck the wrong way, throw the basketball the wrong way. Sure we mess up. You don't give up. You said, let's do more practice. Christian, get in the word of God. And keep your eyes on Jesus. It's pretty simple. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep, stay, keep, your, keep yourselves in the word of God. Man, it'll excite you. It'll encourage you. Man, our government, you know what one day? It's going to all perish. Jesus isn't. Jesus isn't going to fail you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you've messed up, don't let it keep you down. There's still a generation that needs to hear the message. Revelation 21, verses 6 through 8, and then I'll be done. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. You don't have, you, salvation? If I were to ask you, do you know where you're going to spend eternity if you breathe your last breath? Some would say, I hope so. You don't need to say that. The Bible says you can know so. It's free. You ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins and you're saved. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my, be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, this generation, the culture is only focused on pleasing myself now. The Christian ought to be focused on pleasing God and lo looking at the future. If you look at the now, you'll get discouraged. If you look to the future, there's great hope. Keep your eyes on the prize. As we come to the invitation this evening, the invitation period, if you're not familiar with it, is a period of time, just heads bowed and eyes closed, and just pray and talk with God. That's all it is. Just quietly, wherever you're seated, and so with heads bowed and eyes closed, Christian, I trust that this has been an encouraging message. I'm going to plant my feet. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to be faithful in the Word of God. I'm going to be faithful in church. I'm going to make Jesus a priority. I'm going to keep the hope set before me. But I guarantee you're going to have opposition to challenge that. Don't lose sight of the prize. Don't lose sight of eternity. God wants to do something great in your life, but you'll never get there. If you're only looking at the present, look at the hope set before us.
with heads bowed and eyes closed, a time of quietness between you and the Lord. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I'd love to sit down with you with the Bible and show you how you can know for sure Jesus is your Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed, when you're done praying, look up, and I'll conclude us in prayer this evening.